Hi, I'm Pastor Mark Barrett, and welcome to Hope of Glory. Teaching and growing together through the Bible. This is Hope of Glory with Pastor Mark Barrett. Thank you for joining us today on Hope of Glory. Everyone likes to be a winner, and everyone wants to win in life. But to win, we must learn that we have to be willing to pay the price. In today's message, Pastor Mark will be sharing principles from the Bible that will help anyone in their spiritual lives to be a winner. In our worship this morning, we just ended with that song, The Goodness of God, and in our Bible study class this morning, we were talking about that very thing. It was just so appropriate to, to sort of segue from that class for those of us who were there and looking in Romans chapter 2 at the goodness of God and, and how um, we get so used to the mercy and the goodness of God in our day that we forget that God is also a God of justice and that there is a day coming when, when uh, man is storing up uh, the wrath of God. And someday the wrath of God will be revealed against the ungodly. Uh, and yet we live in a day of mercy and grace and goodness. And the fact is that every day that we wake up, we ought to be saying, thank you, God, that I'm, I'm alive today. Thank you that I've got breath to breathe, that you've allowed me to live because every day we sin and what does the Bible say about sin? The wages of sin is what? It's death. And rightfully, God should just take us out every time we sin. That's, that's, that's the Old Testament law. And yet God continues to reveal his mercy and his grace towards us every day. Every day. And we ought to be thankful every day that he gives us another day to breathe and to live and to serve him. That's his goodness. Goodness of God. That's what we just sang about. Aren't you happy about that? Aren't you glad about that? Yet someday, and yet someday, the wrath of God will be revealed against ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who the Bible says suppresses the truth and unrighteousness. You see, the thing about it is that the unrighteous, they know that they're unrighteous, and they know that they're going to be judged someday. Read it in Romans chapter 1 and 2, verse, verse 30, 32 of Romans chapter 1. They know they're going to be judged, and yet they continued in the face of God to sin. And yet they are storing up for them the wrath of God. We need to pray for people, and we need to be grateful for the goodness of God. Well, that was free this morning. I just wanted to throw that in. I'm not going to charge you for that one. Uh, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 this morning. If you want to take your Bibles and turn there with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, I, I'm going to start a series this morning called The Basics. The basics of Christianity are basic, believers' basics. And I want to talk, I want to get back to the basics. I think we forget that sometimes. You know, everybody likes to win, right? Who, who likes to lose? Who, li who plays a game to lose? You go, man, I hope I lose this time, right? You get into that game of Monopoly and you go, man, I'm just working to lose. <laughs> None of us does that. We all want to win. Everybody likes a winner. Everybody wants to win. I don't care who you are, what you do, whether it be in your job or in athletics or uh, in your personal life, uh, the object of the game is always to win. When I was in high school, I played football, <clears throat> and um, the name of our team was the Redmond Panthers. 
We should have been called the Redmond Pussycats because we hardly ever won. You see, our town was only about 10,000 people, and so we, could, we had a hard time getting a good enough team to compete with the larger, larger cities uh, that we played against. And we kind of played in a triple-A league, and they were all really good teams with big, big towns, big cities, and really big guys. And so we hardly ever won a game. And, uh, and yet I would, I would hear people say, well, well, it's not about who wins or loses, but how you play the game, baloney. <laughs> I always thought that was a bunch of nonsense, right? You know what? I'm not playing the game just to show you that I know the rules of the game. I'm not playing the game just, just because I, I'm just ha having a happy time playing the game. But rather, I'm playing the game because I want to win the game. Now, sometimes second or third is okay if you're playing a team that really is better than you. If they really are better than you, then they should win, right? But not the next time, because I'm going to play to win. <laughs> to be honest with you, I kind of live my life that way. If I'm playing a sport, I play to win. If I'm playing Monopoly, I play to win. Who cares if my kids are three years old and they go off crying to mommy? <laughs> At least I won, right? <laughs> and the more of the challenge it is, the harder I play. Now, I probably sound a little bit more harsh than what I really am. But maybe you're like that. Maybe, you, maybe you're, you're not quite as competitive as me, but you still like to win, right? And so you work hard. You work hard to get a promotion in your job because you want to win. You like the perks of the job. You're, you parents, you work hard with your children because you want them to be acceptable in public and you want them to grow, to uh, be nurtured and you want them to be intelligent and get a good job and so you work and you help them to grow. You train them up so that they can be successful in life. And those of you who are in school, you work hard to get good grades. Why? Because you know that that's going to affect you in years to come when you go into college or other education. And you work hard at dressing yourself because you want to be in style and you want to be accepted by your peers. And you work hard to please dad and mom so that they'll give you extra privileges at home. You see, all of those things relate to winning in life. And it seems to work pretty good in our secular life. But it gets a little bit messed up and complicated when it comes to our spiritual life sometimes. And we come to realize one day that it's one thing to say that we're a Christian, and yet it's another thing to act like a Christian. It's another thing to walk the Christian life. In other words, our walk and our talk, sometimes they don't always line up, right? I mean, we, the Redmond Panthers, would go out on the football field and we'd go, Yay, we're going to win! Come on, let's go! And then we'd lose. It just didn't line up. We just, we just didn't have the team that could win. And sometimes we're like that in our spiritual lives. And then what happens is that we end up feeling guilty and we can't seem to win in our spiritual life in the same way that we're winning our secular life. And so we go, oh, I'm just going to give up. What's the use? And God must have known that we would struggle with those things because that's why he gave us some teaching about how to win in the spiritual life, in our Christian life, here in chapter 9. And what we want to learn this morning is that 
is that if we want to reach our goal, if we want to be a winner in our spiritual life, then we've got to be willing to pay the price of winning. And the price is our, willing to, our, our willingness to sacrifice immediate gains for eternal goals. You can write that down. We've got to be willing to sacrifice immediate gains for eternal goals. And I'm talking about what you do on a daily basis that would help you to win the favor of God. Now, if you're struggling with what I just said, to win the favor of God, and the concept of that, the, the importance of that, then you need to deal probably with one or two other issues in your life. Either you don't know Christ as your personal savior and he hasn't become the center of your life and so you don't understand that concept of winning the favor of God or you're just kind of a lukewarm Christian, you kind of don't even care. Because a person who's truly committed to Jesus Christ understands the importance of growing in their spiritual life, growing stronger, growing deeper, growing wider in their spiritual life. And I guess the longer I live, the more I see in, the, in, in life, the more I realize how, how short it really is, how short life is, how, how, how temporary life is. You go out one day and you weed your garden, and the next week all the weeds are back, right? And it's just short-lived. Um, you wash your car, and then you take that little spray stuff, and you, you spray it on your tires, really. It doesn't really do anything for the performance of the car, right? I mean, it doesn't steer better. It doesn't drive better. It's just, it just looks good so that when you're driving down the road and somebody looks at your car, they go, oh, he washed his car. And then you drive around the block and they get all muddy and you've got to spray it again, right? It's just, it's just temporary. It doesn't last very long. It wears off. It, it washes off. And so much in our life is like that. It just kind of wears away. It washes off. Why? Because we've kind of put some spray on it. We've kind of made it look fancy. We made it look good. But there's no lasting, deep, root-bearing uh, and fruit-bearing things that are causing it to continue to grow. What about money? We work hard for our money, don't we? We go, and we go out and buy that $20,000 car and we drive it around for a couple of years, trade it in, you get $10,000 for it. Kind of the way it is. Somebody said to me, you drive it off the lot and you just lost $2,000. <laughs> just, you know, a temporary. Things are temporary. You buy the new house, a few years it starts to deteriorate. and You've got to, you know, re re refurbish it. You've got to fix it up. Or if it's over 100 years old, then, you know, you kind of expect that to happen, right? <laughs> you got to refurbish it every once in a while. Even your body wears out eventually, right? How many can testify to that? My body's wearing out. Yeah, we go, oh, my arm, oh, my hip, oh, my knee. Like, it's wearing out, right? Things are temporary in this life. But there's something worth working for that will never wear out and will never fade and will never, you know, wear off. The shine will never wear off. And that's your favor with God. Your favor with God. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 24. Do you not know that those of us who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. 
Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body, I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Now in verse 24, uh, obviously the Apostle Paul is using a metaphor of the Olympic Games. Uh, this would have been a very familiar image to the Corinthians who had the Isthmian Games in, in their own town. And I want you to notice that Paul said, those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize. In other words, no one would ever think to train so hard and train so long just to lose the race. Everybody who trains for the Olympics, they train in order to win. You never talk to an Olympian, somebody who goes and says, now, now are you happy with coming in sixth place? And you never hear them say, yeah, that's what I was hoping for. They, no, they were, they were training to win, right? In Paul's day, the, athletic, the athletes, they would train for 10 months. This was the common uh, routine for athletes in Paul's day. They would train for 10 months. And then in the last month, they spent it in Corinth. And they trained with a trainer and they worked hard, and they worked in the gym, and they worked on the field. And, and, and today, you know, when athletes say train, sometimes they'll be training for years. I mean years in order to make it to the Olympics. I mean, it's horrendous sacrifices that they make. Why do they do it? To come in second? To come in third? No, absolutely not. They do it to win. Sometimes you'll see somebody on the racetrack and they trip and they fall and they lose the race. And I mean, they are absolutely devastated. Why? Because they didn't come to trip and fall and sprain an ankle and to get injured and come in last. They came with the idea of winning. Why did they do it? They do it to win. In a race, there's only one winner, but basically, here's the cool part. In the Christian life, every Christian can be a winner. Did you know that? There's not just one winner. Every Christian can be a winner. Every Christian can win the prize because in the Christian life, we aren't running against one another. We're not in a, like in a race and going, oh, I'm going to beat, you know, John today. That's not how it works in the Christian life. But rather, we all kind of running in a pack in the race together, and we're going, hey, come on, John. Hey, come on, Brett. Hey, come on. Let's go. Come on. You can do it. What, you trip? Let's get up, and let's go. And we're all running together. We're all running not to compete against one another, but we're competing against ourselves, we're competing with the goal in mind of winning God's favor. That's why Paul says, run in such a way that you may obtain it or that you might win. The question on all of our minds is, how do I do that? How do I run the race in such a way that in the end I get the prize, whatever that prize is? Whatever the prize is. Now, you know, a lot of people have a different, different ideas about uh, what the uh, crowns are or the prizes are. And, and the reality is that we know a few of them. But it's not like something you put on your head. It's not something you wear around your neck. It's probably something more like, like uh, the ability to serve God in a particular area. You say, well, that's not much of a prize. I mean, I, I work here. Yeah, in heaven, it's a prize. Well, that your job is going to be a 
a prize. It's going to be, why? Because working is actually your rest in heaven. That's a prize in heaven to be able to have a certain position. And there will be people in different positions in heaven. So that's a crown. The Bible says there's a crown of eternal life. So you get that, you get eternal life. Guess what? Hey, you get eternal life. That's your prize. So there are different prizes that we do know of, different crowns that we know of. Some of them we don't know. It just says you get a crown. We don't know what that crown is. But we are racing to get the prize. Because in the Christian life, we aren't running against one another, but we're running against what? The obstacles that get in our way that can hinder us from winning the prize, winning the goal. We're running against all the stuff that could potentially take us out of the race. And that's why Paul says, run in such a way that you may obtain it, that you might win it. How do we do that? How do we win that prize? He says it in verse 25. He says, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. That word temperate is a word that we don't use very often today, but it's a word that means to use self-control. Now, that's not even something a lot of people like, right? To use self-control. Self-control, what's that? It's kind of a funny word. Like, I don't have to have self-control and do whatever I want to do. I, I just do anything I want to do. The sky's the limit, you know? I can eat what I want to eat. I can do whatever I want to do. I can go wherever I want to go. I can say whatever I want to say. You know, we don't have a lot of self-restraint in our world today, and you can pursue that if you want, but not if you want to win the prize. If an athlete wants to win a race, they've got to use what? Self-restraint. And so here's an athlete, he's in training, and he better get the proper rest that he needs. If he wants to do his best, if he wants to run the race well, then he's got to give up some things in order to get the best. So he says, no thank you when he's offered the big old banana split hot fudge peanuts and nuts and cherry on the top with whipped cream. Sunday, right? He goes, no thanks, that's not gonna be good for my body. When everybody else wants to stay up and eat pizza and wings and, you know, sauerkraut, then, <laughs> sauerkraut, where'd that come from? <laughs> he goes, he goes, no, <laughs> I don't know where that comes from. He goes, no, thank you. I've got to go to bed and I've got to get my rest because I, <laughs> sauerkraut, I've got to get up in the morning. <laughs> well, that was for those of you who are German and Dutch and, you know, <laughs> maybe that's what you need for a snack. Give me some of that crowd, sauerkraut, you know, <laughs> 12 o'clock at night. <laughs> <laughs> if an athlete wants to win a race, here's, that's the point, right? He's got to be able to give up some of the fun and some of the food so that, so that he can reach the goal. And if he doesn't, they become hindrances to his winning. In the Christian life, if we want to win, win favor with God, we've got to show some self-restraint as well. Every good thing that is accomplished, whether it be in athletics or in business, in our personal life, in our family, in a skill that we have acquired, is because of self-discipline. Isn't that true? L listen, if you, if you want to learn uh, the guitar a little bit better, Andrew, what do you got to do? You got 
You got to practice, right? You got to get in there. You got to get into the practice room and you, you've got to put the work in. And, and when you don't be, put the work in, what happens? You know, you don't pass the course, right? And that's just the way it is. If you don't, if you don't put the work in, then, then you're not going to get the prize. If a student wants to get good grades, what has he got to do? Well, he's got to, he's got to study hard. He, he's got to put his mind to it. He's got to memorize and, and learn the concepts. If an employee wants to climb the corporate ladder, well, he's got to work hard, keep learning. It's the same in the Christian life. If you want to grow in your knowledge of the Bible, what do you got to do? Well, you, it's, you don't just go, oh, sleep on that. You know, that's not the way it happens. Not by osmosis. You've got to open that thing. And you've got to read it. You have to study it. You've got to learn from it. If you want to uh, grow spiritually, you've got to take the time uh, to increase your knowledge and, and put it into practice. And, and sometimes that's called service. If you want to get better in, in, in any area of service for the Lord, well, it might mean that you're going to have to go take a course, and you got to study about that. you got to figure out how that works. You want to be a good Bible teacher? Well, study that. You, you want to be a, a mentor? Then you figure out, you read a book on being a good mentor. You grow in your knowledge. Uh, that, that's, what, that's what we're talking about. If you want to win somebody to Christ, you say, man, I just don't know how to do that. I don't know how to talk to people about Christ. Well, you take a course, you read a book, you talk to the pastor, you, you, you do what is necessary to learn the skills of knowing how to lead people to Christ. When I was a kid, I was probably about 16, 17 years old, there was a, an evangelist that came to our town, our little town of Redmond. We had about 10,000 people, and he was, a, he was an ex-baseball player. And, uh, and I thought, well, I want to be an evangelist, and, but I don't know how to lead people to Jesus. And so I went to the Pentecostal church where they were having some courses for the crusade for counselors to learn how to lead people to Jesus. And, and it's there that I learned what's called the Romans Road. You remember that? We learned the Romans Road. And we learned how to lead people to Christ through the Romans Road. And that was my first opportunity as a young person to attend a crusade, go down when he called for the invitation, go back into the counseling room and lead somebody to Jesus. I wanted to do that, but I needed the training, so I went somewhere where I could learn, and then I put it into practice. If you want, if it, all this means is that you've got to give up something good for something better in order to reach the goal. Now look at the rest of verse 25. He says, now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we an imperishable crown. In Paul's day, an athlete would would win a pine wreath, or they might win something to wear around their neck. Well, how, do, how long do you think that pine wreath lasted? Ah, uh, maybe a couple of months at best, right? How much would the admiration of the people, how long would the admira ad admiration, there you go, of the people last? Well, until next year when somebody better came along and beat them, that's how long it would last. How long does the favor of God last? Well, the Bible says we're competing for an imperishable crown. Now, in the Bible, the word crown is not in the original text. We've added that. It should read, but we, an imperishable. 
In other words, whatever our reward is in the end, it's never going to die, it's never going to fade, it's never going to dissolve. Nobody's ever going to forget about it. God, that is. It's a reward from God that is going to last for an eternity. The point is that we aren't running in order to get to heaven. We are running because we already have heaven by putting our trust in Jesus Christ who paid the penalty for our sin on the cross. And in order to win God's approval and reward for running as a Christian, there has to be discipline and self-control. We've, we've got to restrain ourselves in order to win the favor of God. Now, Paul's going to change the metaphor a little bit here in verse 26 when he says, Therefore I run thus not with uncertainty. Uh, that's an interesting word. Not, with, not without aim. That's what he's saying. Not without aim. Paul's aim was to win as many people to Jesus as he possibly could in his lifetime. What is your aim in your Christian life? What are you aiming for? Maybe it's to be a great Bible teacher. Maybe your aim is to be a good example. Maybe your aim is to be a good mentor of others to follow or a great musician so that you can bless other people or a craftsman or a athlete who glorifies God. Did you see the little interviews by uh, Mahomes, the, the, uh, the, uh, the quarterback of the winning Super Bowl team last week? He's a Christian, you know. And in an interview, he said, uh, I, just, I just wanted to glorify God in this. And he was doing that in the interview. He was just giving praise to God. You know, as an athlete, you can give glory to God. As a builder, as a construction worker, as a, as a field harvester, as, as a whatever you do in life, you, you can give, use that to bring glory to God. In order to find fulfillment in life, we've got to have an aim, a target, something that we're shooting for. I try to get out every, every year uh, with the guys to do a little bit of deer hunting. And, and when I go out in the woods, it's, mostly for me, it's just getting out in the woods and enjoying the outdoors and just kind of being out there with the guys because, well, I rarely shoot anything. But it, so I've, I've got to have a reason for going out there, right? But, but you know, when I go deer hunting, I, ne I never, ever have taken a machine gun. Like, like, you know, I mean, you could, I guess, if they were allowed, if they were legal. I've never taken a machine gun. Uh, I mean, you could just go, you know, and just spray the woods and hope you hit something, right? But you don't use a machine gun for deer hunting. At least most people don't. Legally, I use a, we use a shotgun in this area with a slug. And, uh, and so if I ever saw a deer, and if I've ever had the opportunity to shoot a deer, I've seen deer, but, you know, that's... Hey, there, go, there he goes, you know. That's the way my deer hunting is. But if I ever saw one and I had the opportunity, you know what I'd do? I'd raise my gun and I'd look down the sights and I would aim for the target. If you want to get something when you're hunting, you've got to aim for the target. In the Christian life, you've got to aim. You've got to, you, you've got to find a fulfillment in your life. You, if you want to find a fulfillment, you've got to aim for something. Find a purpose. Find your calling. Something to shoot to, toward. 
Now Paul changes the metaphor again in verse 26. He's kind of adding layer upon layer here. And he says in verse 26, Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. Now, a lot of people think Paul is talking about shadow boxing here. You know, when they shadow box, they kind of just hit the air, sort of practicing, I guess. But, you know, Paul wasn't kind of the shadow boxing type, I don't think. Paul was in a real fight with real opponents. He's not, he's not just working up a sweat in the gym, but he is in a real battle and he is fighting to win. Now, now he's going to tell us how he wins the battle. Verse 27, he says, I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should have become disqualified. That word discipline literally means to hit under the eye. When he says, I discipline my body, he goes, I hit myself. Like I hit myself under the eye, right? Figuratively, he's, he's giving himself a black eye if it meant more discipline to reach the goal. He says, I bring my body into subjection. I make my body my slave in my mission to reach more people for Jesus Christ. Most of us don't make our bodies our slave, but we're a slave to our bodies, right? If our body says, I want more of that, then we give it to our bodies. The body tells them what to do, when to sleep, when to eat, when to go, when to, you know what I mean? But an athlete, he can't afford to do that. He can't afford that luxury. He runs when he'd rather be resting. I mean, he eats balanced when he'd rather eat junk food. Uh, he gets, gets to bed when he wants to stay up late. He gets up when he wants to stay in bed. Now listen, to, to why Paul says he puts himself through all of that rigorous training. He's an athlete in training. He says in verse 27, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Oh man, disqualified. You see, a, con a contestant in the Isthmian games in Corinth, if he went to training and in his training requirements, he disqualified, he couldn't even be in the games. He would disqualify himself in the training. And Paul says, I don't want to spend the rest of my life telling other people what they need to do to win and then be disqualified in, in, in meeting those requirements myself. That's why I'm doing this, he says, because I don't want to be disqualified. I want to win the prize. Now, every year, people, they make all kinds of resolutions, right? They, they say, I, I'm going to lose uh, 20 pounds. And uh, day one, they, they kind of back off on some of the sweets, and they eat a little bit more healthy, and they, they eat like a rabbit and have some salad and some carrots and some, you know, celery, and that's all good day one. Maybe they do a little bit of exercise. They go, oh, man, okay, I'm going to bend down. Okay, that's good, you know. Day two. What happens day two? Pig out on an ice cream cone, you know, go to Dairy Queen. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't last, right? It's, it's, kind of, it's kind of like one of those things that it just doesn't last very long. 
It's hard being disciplined, isn't it? It's hard being self-controlled. We, we start out in the Christian life, right? Do you remember when you were first saved? You, man, you were enthused, you were on fire. You wanted everybody to know about Jesus. You were, you were reading your Bible, you were growing, and, and then suddenly, you know, like year one, it started to peter off, and you forgot about reading your Bible that day, and well, it didn't really matter. It didn't hurt me much, and, and pretty soon, you know, everything is kind of lax and, and flabby, and lazy and you just you kind of don't care anymore and you know I've seen so many people break training too soon and pretty soon their 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 life resembles anything but a Christian life and they become disqualified for the prize why because they won't pay the prize so many things can hinder us from our spiritual growth and an effective service for the Lord you know what doesn't have to be that way I, here it is. I'd like to invite you to do something this year. I'd like to invite you to enter into training with me to win the prize from God. I mean, this is a great time of year to start something new in your spiritual training. But you've got to have an aim in your spiritual life. Maybe it's to grow stronger in your faith, or maybe you want to begin reading your, your Bible every day and so that you can grow closer to God, or maybe your goal is to, to pray longer or more often. Maybe your goal is to get more involved in serving, or maybe to improve a God-given talent of some sort. I'd like to invite you for the month of February to start pursuing your dreams, Start saying no to anything that would hinder you from accomplishing that goal. Oh man, I can't get up early enough to read my Bible. No, no, just say no to that. You gotta get up, you gotta get up in a proper time to be able to get into the Word and read it. Oh man, a friend called me and he wants me to come over and I just don't have time. No, no, you say no to that friend. You say, hey, let's reschedule because I have something important I need to do. You see what I'm saying? We've got to be able to, to, to somehow regulate our lives and we've got to bring it into subjection. We've got to buffet our bodies and make it our slave. We've got to do whatever is necessary in order to reach that goal that we are aiming for so that why we can grow spiritually. Start saying no to anything that would hinder your goal. Discipline yourself. Stick with it just for one month. Do it for a month. And then evaluate as to whether it was worth the training or not. Wouldn't it be great if you just felt yourself growing stronger spiritually this year? Wouldn't it be wonderful to feel like, hey, I can handle struggles better now because I've been growing closer to the Lord. Wouldn't you feel better if you had a little bit more discipline in your life so that you could maybe just, just, just live the Christian life better? Now before I close this morning, let me just paint a picture for you. Just imagine that every single Christian here in the congregation this morning made that decision to enter into training for the Lord. Let's say that all of us decided to make it a priority to give up everything that would hinder us in our pursuit for the prize and that we just gave it all we had like athletes of the cross. I think if that happened, our church would completely be transformed. I think that our services would be more vibrant because people would be growing spiritually. More people would be touched with the gospel because they would kind of see the torch lit 
in our lives, right? Homes and marriages, I think, would be brought back together who have, have been saying, hey, the luster has been kind of lost. But I think there would be a new fire lit in homes and, and, and marriages would grow and become stronger and our lives would be changed and our town would be changed. My challenge to you today is to consider getting involved in the pursuit of winning the prize. I'm not saying you're running to win salvation. Christ already won that, won that prize. You're, you're running now to win the prize of the upward calling of Christ Jesus. Let's run the race to win because every Christian can win if we'll just allow ourselves to be disciplined and we train hard. The prize is to be won if we'll just make the choice to run. Lord, I just pray today that... Uh, that our lives would, um, would be in conformity to your word and your will. Lord, there isn't any of us who doesn't want to run to win, uh, but we, we've got to begin doing some things to see that happen. We've got to train hard. We've, we have to discipline ourselves. We, we have to say no to some good things in order to do the best thing. And I pray that you would help us to do that. As we begin this training, Lord, I pray that you would work in our lives, transform us into your image from glory to glory. Through Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen.